You're listening to the Pastor Motes Podcast. 1 Timothy chapter 6 in your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are in a series called Follow After. And we're looking at the passages in the Scripture that identify those things that you and I as believers, as Christians, as those who name the name of Christ, should be following after in our lives. Remember those two words, follow after, are written in the imperative. That means they are mandatory, right? This is mandatory. This is, this is a command. This is a strong exhortation. So not a question mark, but an exclamation point. It's written in the present tense. So this is something that I'm supposed to be doing every single day of my life as a believer. Something I'm supposed to be doing continually and constantly as a habit. This should be the habit of my life or the norm of my life. It means to pursue, follow after, means to pursue with great earnestness and intensity, with haste. In other words, this is something we're not casual about or are lukewarm about or lackadaisical about. This is something that we are giving our life to. We're pouring our life, all of our effort into this. We are running after this. And so we've been looking at these different passages throughout the Word of God that identify these things that we as believers are to follow after. And we came this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. And Paul, as he nears the end of this particular epistle, He says to his son in the faith, young Timothy, he says, now listen, if you want to continue on as a man of God, there are some things you are going to have to flee from. And we talked about that and what that means in great detail this morning. But that word flee is a very powerful, emphatic word. It means literally, it means to run for your life from these things. We are to flee these things lest we be sidetracked and sidelined in this race for the Lord. And then we are to pursue with this great intensity, with all of our hearts, we are to follow after some things such that we can be the men and women of God that he has called us to be. So look at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, Paul speaking to Timothy, flee these things. Flee, run for your life from these things. We identified those two things this morning in the context. One is apostasy or corrupt doctrine, false doctrine, false teaching. And then avarice, that is covetousness or greed, the love of money, the love of worldly things or worldly uh, possessions. That's the idea 
there. We're to run away from those things. Why? Because they will derail us from being the people of God that God has called us to be. And instead, notice what it says, follow after. Make these spiritual riches the grand object of your pursuit. Here's what you want to pursue in life. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and these spiritual treasures, these spiritual riches will make a man of God out of you. And that was Paul's message to young Timothy. So we began this morning looking at this first of these six rich treasures, spiritual treasures, righteousness, uprightness, Christ-likeness, that which is characteristic of God, that which is right with God, right in His sight. In other words, it's a conformity to that which is right. And God tells us what is right in His Word. So it's examining my heart and my life in light of the Word of God, in the mirror of God's Word, and making sure that my life is in line with the Word of God and that I am walking in the will of God. Do I have a testimony of righteousness? Would righteousness describe my life? Is it a characteristic of my life? And so here's the message. Follow after, pursue with intensity and earnestness righteousness. Now, what are you following after in your life? What are you following after in your life? You're following after something. What are you really pursuing? What are you really running after? What are your goals? What do you hope to achieve or to accomplish in your life? What are your priorities? And Paul says, Timothy, if you want to be a man of God, then you pursue in your life, you pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Well, let's move on to new ground. Here's the second thing in the list. Godliness. Godliness, which means great devotion to God. Great devotion to God. Holiness of heart and life, great reverence and respect for God. It's a thorough conformity to the image of God and the mind of Christ. That's what it means. Now, whereas righteousness really speaks more of our testimony and our transactions toward men, godliness speaks of our, our devotion and our integrity before God. And Paul says to Timothy, you must have integrity in both of those areas. You must have an upright life before men and all of your uh, transactions and in your testimony before men, before others, 
And you must make sure that all of your behavior, your behavior is right in everything before God. In both of those things, before man, before God, you are to have integrity. You are to be right. And so that's this idea of godliness, a proper behavior toward God in everything. I was thinking about a couple of passages of Scripture in light of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, "...but refuse profane and old wives' tales. Forget about the philosophies of this world. Forget about the, the mindset or the thinking of this world." and its system. It'll lead you astray. Forget about the wisdom of of man, the wisdom of this world. Reject the mindset of this world. That's the idea there. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. And notice what he says, exercise thyself. Very similar to follow after. Very similar in its, in its definition to follow after because the word exercise here is uh, the Greek word and it's translated into English exercise. It's actually the Greek word from which we get our English word gym or gymnasium. So it's exactly what you think. Exercise, right? And uh, it, it sort of has the smell of the gym to it, right? It, it's that idea of sweat and toil and labor and, and strenuous exercise. That's the word. That's exactly what it means here. But notice what we're exercising toward. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. That's the same word as we find here in 1 Timothy Chapter 6 and verse 11, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Follow after, exercise yourself unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. That's why I don't fool with it. I mean... It's what the scripture says, okay? It, it, it profiteth little, but godliness, same word as our text verse, godliness is profitable, advantageous, useful, beneficial unto all things. What does that mean? The benefits of godliness are unlimited. That's what it means. The benefits of godliness are unlimited unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, it'll profit you in this life, and of that which is to come. One day, this life will end, and we're going to stand before the Lord. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. So this is something you can count on. This is something you can bank on, as we would say. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, how are we saved? By 
grace. By grace. It's the free gift of God. It is a gift we receive when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary, His death, burial, and glorious resurrection. When we trust Christ and Christ alone, God gives us this gift, this wonderful gift of salvation. We get it by grace. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, now that's the opposite of the word we're looking at, godliness, ungodliness, that means simply means wickedness, or that which displeases God, that's what we're supposed to, to deny. Now we're following after godliness, and we're denying ungodliness, and worldly lusts, Lusting after the things of this world, desiring the things of this world. We talked about that this morning. We should live soberly, righteously. Now that's the same word as righteousness in our text verse. Same Greek word. Righteously and godly, that's the same word as godliness in our text verse. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So follow after a right relationship, a right fellowship, both with man and with God. We're here to minister, right? We're here to serve. We're here to reach others. So follow after. Make these spiritual riches, Timothy, and anyone else who would desire to be a man or a woman of God, make these spiritual riches the grand object of your pursuit. Righteousness and godliness. And not only that, notice the list continues. Faith. Faith which means trust and belief. We're saved by grace through what? Through faith. When we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, what He did on the cross of Calvary, His death, His shed blood on the cross, His burial, His glorious Resurrection. When we put our faith in Christ alone, our sins are forgiven. Our sins that separate us from God who is holy and cannot have fellowship with sin. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did, His, His payment on the cross for our sin. I want to tell you something. Our sins are washed away. We're given eternal life and we're given an eternal home with God. In heaven. And that's the typically when we see the word faith, that's what we think about. It's, it's putting our trust, it's resting our all in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. Again, his death, burial, and resurrection. But it also carries the idea of faithfulness, faithfulness and reliability and, and dependability. So it's faith in the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's faith in the written word, 
the holy word of God. So it's faith in Him and it's faithfulness to Him. That's the full picture, the full scope or idea of this word faith here. It carries both of those meanings. Faith in Jesus Christ. Where's your faith tonight? How are you going to get to heaven? Well, I'll tell you how I'm getting there. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection. That's how I'm getting to heaven. That's how a person gets to heaven. That's the only way to get to heaven. There is no other way. So it's faith in Him, and then it's faithfulness to Him. That's the full meaning of this word, faith, here. Fidelity to the talents that you have received from the Lord and the ministry entrusted to you. So it's to be a faith-filled man and a faithful man, okay? Faith-filled and faithful. That's the idea of this word here. Barnes said this, he's a commentator, I'll enjoy studying behind him. He said this, a faithful, a Christian is faithful as a man, faithful as a neighbor, faithful as a friend, faithful as a father, faithful as a husband, faithful as a son. He is faithful in his contract. He is faithful in his conduct. He is faithful in his conversation, faithful to his promises, faithful to his ministry, faithful to his God. That should describe us as believers, as those who name the name of Christ. Yes, my faith is in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. And I am faithful to Him by the grace of God. I am walking with Him, living for Him, serving Him faithfully by the grace of God. That's this word, faith. No man that seeketh after things of this life is a soldier who passes the test. Be faithful. Be working. Be running. Be serving. Be searching His word for His best. Living or dying may honor be thine. From this wretched life you loved and forgave. A life that is on fire be only our heart's desire. Be faithful from now to the grave. May the Lord find us faithful. May His word be our banner held high. May the Lord find us faithful every day though we live Though we die. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, 
And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful. That's the same word as the word faith here in our text verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful, same word, over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful, same word, servant. Thou hast been faithful, same word, over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now that last servant wasn't faithful, and he didn't hear these words. Paul says to Timothy, you want to remain a man of God? I mean, you really want your life to count for God? Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Be committed. Be consecrated. Be dedicated. Be yielded. Be surrendered. Be sold out. Be faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Same word. Same word. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful, same word, that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Watching, working, witnessing, serving, ministering, following after eternal things. Faith, faithful, follow, follow after these things. Make You see those six things? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, make those spiritual riches the grand object of your pursuit. And I'll tell you this, you'll be a man of God. You'll be a woman of God. Notice the next one on the list, love. Mentioned that a few weeks ago. This is talking about agape love. It's that same word as charity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that agape love, which is a giving love, a love that gives. It's a self-sacrificial love. It's a selfless love, an unselfish love. It's a sanctifying love. In other words, it's a love that has a purifying, edifying, sanctifying effect on the person who is the recipient. Of it. It's a love that places great value upon someone and then gives itself to meeting the needs of that person. 
Of course, it's a divine love because it's produced in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. Agape love. It's a love that is to be directed first and foremost to God and then to each other and to our neighbor. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love, that's the word, our word, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love, same word, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's always amazing to me every time I read that. All the law and the prophets are summarized in those two commandments. Isn't that something? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Owe no man anything but to love, that's the word, one another, for he that loveth, our word, another hath fulfilled the law. Wow. And verse 10 of Romans 13 says, love, our word, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. There it is. I like Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, and walk and walk in love. By the way, walk means to live your life. Each step, each decision, each word, everything you do every day, walk is just a picture of everyday life. Every day as I go about Life, walk, walk in love, this agape love. In everything I do, in all of my interactions, in all of my relationships, walk in love in every decision that I make. By the way, just like follow after the word walk, is an imperative. It's an imperative. It's mandatory. Just like follow after, it's written in the present tense. That means it's something that I'm to do every single day, constantly, continually, habitually. This is the pattern, the norm of my life. When someone hears my name, they should think, now there's somebody who loves God and who loves others. That should mark my life. That should characterize my life. That should be my testimony. That's all encompassed or wrapped up in this word, walk. Every day, every step, walk in love. As, just as, even as, Christ also hath loved us. Boy, that's a high calling, isn't it? Because Christ loved us so much, He went to the cross and He gave His life as the perfect substitute for, for our sin. He paid our sin for us so that we could be reconciled to God through Him. Even as 
Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself. That's agape love. Given himself for us. He did it for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He went to the cross, paid our sin debt. He did it for us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven and we have everlasting life. He did it. For us, that's agape love. Follow after love. Follow after love. Timothy, you want to remain a man of God? Make these six spiritual treasures, these, these six spiritual riches, oh, make them the grand object of your pursuit. Well, look at the next one there. Patience. Patience means cheerful endurance. Not just enduring, cheerful endurance. Why? Because of God and His promises. That's why. Because we have Him. Cheerful endurance, steadfastness, fortitude, continuance, hopeful perseverance. Steadfastness in all trials and afflictions. In other words, come what may, by God's grace, through His strength, you stay steady, and you stay strong, and you stay sweet, and you stay sweet. It's just a a quiet bearing of injuries. You stay faithful when injury comes, when hardship comes. Comes Whether it comes by circumstances, and circumstances can be rough, or whether it comes by people, and people can be unkind, and they can be cruel, but you just stay faithful. Matthew Henry said this, Patience to bear both the rebukes of providence and the reproaches of men. Endurance, perseverance, under suffering. Colossians chapter 1, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience. That's our word. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, you see. It's cheerful endurance giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience, your cheerful endurance. Same word here. Patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience, same word, your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Wherefore, this is what we were just singing about. Faithful men, staying steady, staying strong, 
staying faithful, running the race. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. That's the same word. Patience, cheerful endurance, hopeful perseverance, steadfastness, the race that is set before us. Don't ever quit. Don't ever back up, slack up. Certainly don't give up. And listen, don't get sour. Don't get sour and salty. You stay sweet. You know, some things are salty and sweet. Just leave out the salty. Just stay sweet, all right? James chapter 1 and verse 4, but let patience, same word, cheerful endurance, have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. In other words, boy, this patience works on our behalf. It's working this spiritual maturity, building this spiritual maturity into our lives. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Have you heard of the patience of Job? We use that, don't we? We That, that phrase. The patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful. He takes pity on us and has compassion on us and of tender mercy. So when we think of the patience, same word, patience of Job, that should sort of cement this into our minds, what this particular word means here. Let me give you one more and we'll move to the last one. Hebrews 12 and verse 3, For consider him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that endured, now that's the same word as patience in our text first, endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ, all that he went through on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sin and to pay for my sin. He who was holy, who knew no sin, became sin for us on the cross. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, through Him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow after patience. Here's the last one. Boy, these six spiritual treasures these spiritual riches that I should make the grand object of my pursuit if I want to be a man of God. If you want to be a man or a woman of God, here's meekness, gentleness, gentle spiritedness, humble spiritedness, considerate spirit, have a considerate spirit, a teachable spirit. Bearing up with an even mind under all adversities and provocation. Gentle spiritedness. That's the idea. So the, the, the hardship comes, the, the provocations come, but, but I just stay steady and sweet for the Lord. That's the idea of this meekness. There's no striking back or, or getting even or there's this, there's no desire to, to get back at someone. No desire for, 
vengeance. It's the opposite of sudden anger or vengeance. Gentleness. Gentleness. Humility is the idea. A willingness to pass by the the affronts and the injuries of others. And they'll come. People can be cruel. People can be very unkind. But I always think of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who, Jesus, when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. How do you react when something doesn't go your way? How do you respond when someone goes against you? How do you respond when someone is unkind or or cruel or unloving or just flat out nasty to you? How do we handle that? Meekness. And Paul was telling Timothy, he said, you know what? If you don't have that, if you don't follow after that, listen, you're going to deal with a lot. Circumstances are going to be adverse. People are going to be difficult, cruel, and unkind. And if you don't have meekness, you're not going to be a man of God. Well, you're not going to accomplish anything for God's glory. No, we've got to have this this gentleness, this humility. I like what one commentator said, bearing with and gently instructing those that oppose themselves, yet showing with all a becoming zeal for the truth. (laughs) And so you deal with a a kind hand to, to folks who are going the wrong direction, but you don't compromise one inch. That's what he's saying here. Another commentator of old, Burkett, he said this, suppresses wrath against those that are injurious to us. So those who are injurious to us, we don't, we don't answer back in wrath. That's what he's saying there. And so the meek, how, how do they... How do they conduct themselves? Well, here's what they do. The meek stand firmly. There is not a breath of compromise in them, but they do it with mercy and with grace. That's this word, meekness here. There's a a sweet balance in this word. I was thinking about it and I thought, you know what? It's taking the right stand in the right way. That's what it is. Taking the right stand in the right way. Now there's some other, some other connotations of meekness. It, it, it's having a teachable spirit, but I'm, I'm not going to get into all of that tonight. But let me share a few verses with you before we close the message and thinking about Meekness in the sense of this, this gentleness and this, this humility and this spirit of, of, uh, being considerate. First Corinthians 4.21, what will ye? 
Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? You see the difference? You really see it in that verse because those things are, are contrasted. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, now when I come, I'm going to deal with this matter and we're going to get it straightened out. But you see, we're going to deal with it with meekness. I'm not going to come with a rod of iron and just wear you out. I'm going to come with meekness in love. We're, we're, going to, we're going to get the issue settled. We're not going to compromise in any way, but we're going, to, we're going to take the right stand in the right way. We're going to deal with this matter in the right way. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who never compromised an inch, but always dealt with the issue thoroughly, completely, but in love and with compassion. The Lord Jesus Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Be, be humble, be humble, be considerate. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Deal with the situation, but deal with it in the right way, with the right spirit, a gentle spirit, and a humble spirit, because but by the grace of God, you could be in the same situation. Ephesians chapter 4, with all lowliness and meekness. You see how those two things go together? There's a humility and a gentleness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, that, that all works. All of those things work together. And then Colossians 3, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, that is a heart of mercy, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. You see it there? Look at it right there in the middle of all these things. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Here's the last one we'll look at. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, so don't get on the high horse now. You deal in love and deal in humility and with meekness and compassion because don't forget where you came from for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, but 
After that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow after meekness. And so, Timothy, Christian today, what's the message? Flee, flee, run for your life from this apostasy, from this false doctrine and false teaching, from this error, from false teachers and false teachers. Run from that and from this, from this avarice, this, this desire, this passion for worldly things and worldly gain, this greed and this lust for money. You better run from that. Better run from a desire for worldly things because that'll sap the spiritual strength right out of you. Run from that. That'll derail you from being a godly man. And instead, follow after with all your heart. That's the idea. Follow with all your heart the things that will make a Godly Christian out of you. What things? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Then you'll be Christ-like. You know why? You see those six things? All six of them are attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when those things are present in your life, you will be Christ-like. By the way, as one who names the name of Christ, these things should Characterize us. Characterize our lives. Then you'll be able to do what verse 12 says. Fight the good fight of faith. Then you'll be able to do it. When these six things, when you follow after these things, then you'll be able to fight the good fight of faith. Now it won't be easy. It'll be a fight all the way to the end. But... It'll be worth it all when we see the Lord Jesus, won't it? Oh, it'll be worth it all. Follow after. Follow after. If you get to where you're going, where will you be? You're following after something right now. If you get there, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? If you achieve your goals, you have some goals, some things you want to accomplish some things you want to achieve, some, some things you're pursuing in your life. If you achieve those things, if you accomplish those things, what are you going to have? What are you going to have? You see, we are to follow after these spiritual riches, these spiritual treasures that by the grace of God, we would be the men and the women of God that He has saved us to be. I hope you're saved tonight. I hope you know that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. If you don't know that, you can. God loves you and the Lord Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. He died. He took your place. He died there to pay your sin debt. He was buried. He rose again the third day so that you could have eternal life through His finished work. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, if you're willing to put your faith in Him and Him alone, 
Tonight, he'll save you. Your sins will be gone. You'll have everlasting life. You'll have an eternal home in heaven. The scripture says this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The scripture says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. This church can't save you. The baptismal pool and waters can't save you. Religion can't save you. Salvation is in a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you'll call upon Him, put your faith in Him, He'll save you and you'll have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for the gift of your love, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that Jesus paid it all on the cross and that whosoever will can be saved by placing their faith in Christ and Christ alone. Would you speak to hearts tonight, Lord? Would you challenge believers tonight that we might follow after the things that really matter for time and for eternity, the spiritual riches, the spiritual treasures. Lord, work in our hearts. Work in us that you might work through us. Use us, we pray. Bless each one here tonight. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.